0: You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com.
1: I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my infectious woes. I want to take my brain out. With the wave and ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave, I want a magic pill. All my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem
0: for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! You need Yo, Yo, a Yo, ho, Yo, do the, learn of the
2: I guess I better the now. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. And this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347 4323. That's 347 poo Head. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast, medical news, and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. Very good. So... um Holidays are just about upon us. There's still enough time to go to stuff.drsteve.com. Put this base up. Stuff. That's uh, stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. And you know what? If you didn't get what you wanted for the holidays, just go to stuff.drsteve and buy it your damn self. Um, you can scroll down, find all the stuff that we talk about on the show. Plus, uh, you can just click through to Amazon. It really does help keep uh, the network on the air. Check out tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID. Um, if you've got a uh, new iPad or uh, other device, uh, that's the best place to get uh, the best earbuds for the money. On the market and the best customer service anywhere, use offer code FLUID at tweakedaudio.com for 33% off your order. I just did it the other day just to make sure it was still working. And also, I needed to buy some earbuds for my kids. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, they're awesome. Uh, check out Dr. Scott's website. It's simplyherbals.net. And if you want to lose weight with me. Do noom.drsteve.com. That's noom, N-O-O-M.drsteve.com. It's not a diet. It's a psychology program. It's helped me in more ways than just uh, with my diet. I've been a little bit more assertive uh, in a good way, uh, even in the workplace. So you know noom.drsteve.com. I love it. And uh, if you'll do that, you get two weeks free to try it out. It's not for everybody. Nothing is. But you can try it out uh, for free for two weeks with no obligation whatsoever. And then if you like it and you want to continue, it's just a three-month program. You get 20% off. So go to noom.drsteve.com. And uh, if you want um, uh, archives of this show, go to premium.drsteve.com for a ninety nine a month. You can get unlimited access to every show we've ever done, including premium content. And if we get um, more people signed up, I'll do more premium content. How about that? Is that a deal? <laughs> or you can uh, get a thumb drive for, I think, 30 bucks. Just go to the website. There's a link on there. And um, I'll send you a, um, uh, a thumb drive that's got 32 gigs of memory, and it's got 17 gigs of content on it. So it's a lot of shows. Uh, almost 400 at this point. Uh, and um, if you look, this is something new. I don't know if this is going to fly. But uh, if you go to com and tell them Dr. Steve sent you, they'll give you uh, a deal on the coolest garage floor I have ever seen. And the only reason I'm just they're not a sponsor. I bought it because I I saw it and I was I was going to epoxy my garage. This stuff is so easy there are these tiles, and they just snap together, and it makes the. I'll I'll put a picture of it on the website at some point. It's absolutely, everybody who sees it goes, "What the hell did you do in here?" In a good way. Uh, it is the coolest uh, garage floor I've ever seen, or you know showroom floor, or anything you want to do. Swiss Tracks, it's Swiss T R A X dot com, and uh, just if you place your order, I think the guy's name is Jordan. Ask for Jordan. Tell him Doctor Steve sent you. We'll see if they. If we can work something out with them. They say they'll give you a discount. Did you guys see that article about the penis fish? Just Google penis fish. That's all. Um, What in the hell is that? The craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, Some penis fishes uh, washed up on a New Jersey beach. Let me see. I I hadn't actually... planned on talking about this, but I'm going to look up penis fish. (laughs) Yeah, look, at it looks like this guy's holding somebody's severed, semi-erect member in his hand. Thousands of penis fish appear on a California beach. Okay, I thought it was Jersey Beach. Well, of course. Look at that. And it looks like it's got a reservoir tip, so it looks kind of like a penis wrapped in a condom with a reservoir tip. Uh, following a bout of w- winter storms in Northern California, thousands of pink, throbbing phallic creatures wound up pulsating along a beach about 50 miles north of San Francisco. Oh, my God. <laughs> you gotta, Just Google this. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. According to Nature Magazine, these 10-inch regulars are marine worms called fat innkeeper worms, but they're known collo- colloquially as exactly what you'd want to call them, penis fish. These penile figures typically burrow under the sand, far beneath the feet of beachgoers. But the recent storms brought on some waves that swept away the layers, leaving them exposed. Okay, so it's not like they're swimming around. They got um, swept up. It was erosion, basically, just revealed them. Okay, the Korean name for this curious creature is Gaibul, which translate as "dog dick." <laughs> Here in the United States, it's known as the fat innkeeper worm, or the penis fish. Its scientific binomial is Eurekus caupo, or viper tail tradesman. Wow. Well, whatever you call the animal, you can find them in abundance in Bodega Bay, where they build burrows in the tidal mudflats. Wow. I wonder if people eat these things. Oh, here's a big bowl full of penis fish. Oh, it's horrendous looking There's no eyes or anything. I guess they're because they're worms. as seen in the first photo. seagulls enjoy gobbling up these penis fish, as do otters, other fish, sharks, and rays. But the penis fish is a human delicacy to some as well. No thank you i i no thank you for the penis fish daddy i don't want i don't want to eat penis fish <laughs> oh okay well there you go um <laughs> horrendous anyway i don't have a lot of news for you but i have a whole lot of um uh voicemails so let's just let's get get them going uh, number one thing don't take advice from some asshole on the radio because i forgot to boot up my um sound uh, sa- my whatever the f- see this is the first sign of dementia is it's called anomia the inability to name things so uh, if you have someone in your life that doesn't call a pen a pen anymore but they call it the thing that you write with because there's a part of the brain where associations are made and those associations um, uh, point to names of things. So instead of a watch, it's a um, thing that tells time. Or in, in the case of my ENT professor at University of North Carolina, Newton Fisher, he would call. He had a IQ of like 220, and uh, he called a, a deck of cards a, a concentric stack of thin laminates. So the soundboard, I could tell you every sound that's on it, all, what all the different colors were, but I couldn't, for the life of me, think of the word soundboard. But anyway.
0: Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Yeah,
2: especially some asshole on the radio that seems to have uh, early dementia. But anyway, <laughs> all right. Let's see what we got here. Uh-oh. This might be a sign of dementia as well, an inability to... Okay. Hi, Dr.
1: Steve. I was at a wine walk uh, this past weekend at our downtown area, and mm. noticed a lot of people um, had, I guess, the, the lower mobility people, people in wheelchairs and uh, walkers and, and that type, those type of folks. They had this um, bright or it's kind of like a dark red um, lower leg, like in the calf area and the feet, And I've seen it before, and I I don't know if there's a name of the condition or if it's just uh, poor nutrition or or exactly what it is. But um, it looks like they're like swollen legs, and just wondering what that is.
2: Yep, that's what it is. It's swollen legs, aka edema, but. More likely, when it turns purple like that, it's a thing called venous stasis. So, what is venous stasis? Um, Arteries are muscular, thick-walled vessels. Veins are amuscular. In other words, they don't have a lot of muscle uh, tissue associated with them. Um, Thin-walled vessels. And arteries are high-pressure system. Veins are a low-pressure system. Because by the time you pump from the heart through the aorta and it starts dividing, so it divides right and left, iliac arteries, and you know, in the legs, and then you get all, you know, it starts dividing some more, and by the time you get to the toes, it's just little capillaries, and, uh, you know, there's tons of little capillaries go out to the skin and the muscles and stuff, it just divides and divides and divides until really there's only space for one red blood cell to pass through. In uh, some of those terminal capillaries. Well, once those red blood cells give up their oxygen, they return to the venous supply. Which, by the way, venous blood is not blue. There's a whole thread on Twitter, on Twitter about venous blood actually being blue, and it's not. That's an artist's rendering. When uh, uh, Frank Netter and some other people were were drawing pictures of the circulatory system they made arterial blood or arteries look red and veins look blue just to differentiate between them instead of having red and darker red so venous blood is a dark 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 red color there's no blue involved but anyway um so uh once once they pass through these capillaries and return to the venous blood supply there's no pressure anymore it's all gone it's been uh, uh dissipated by um uh giving off heat uh pushing the vessels uh the arterial uh, arterioles arteries and arterial capillaries um walls apart basically under pressure. And when you divide it and subdivide it and subdivide it until you can really only pass one red blood cell through that vessel, there's no pressure left when you collect all these things. I mean, there's a little bit. So veins uh, return blood to the heart, particularly from the legs, through a um, sort of like a lock system. And I don't mean a lock and key, but like the Sault Ste. Marie in uh, or the Panama Canal, where there is locks, so you've got these valves that uh, sh- close and prevent blood from from going backwards. So, and those who are into electronics it's like a diode. It only these valves only allow current to go in one direction. And so, when you walk or you flex your the um, uh, muscles in your calf. You're squeezing these veins, and because the valves only allow blood to go in one direction, it just goes in one direction toward the heart. Now, gravity, of course, when you're standing up particularly or sitting down with your legs bent at the knee so that the, uh, the leg is perpendicular to the ground. Um, gravity, of course, is pulling the blood down. Uh, toward the center of the earth, as the body wants blood to go in the opposite direction toward the heart. So there's a, a um, pull and a fight uh, between the um, need to return blood to the heart and the earth's uh, tendency to pull things toward its center. Now, Which also, by the way, shows how weak gravity is, because you've got the whole earth pulling against that red blood cell in your leg. And it most of the time makes it to the heart. You know, it can defeat gravity, uh, even though it's the whole of the earth pulling against it. Well, anyway. So um, because of that pull in two directions up toward the heart and down toward the ground you get tension in the valve in the vein wall right it's going to distend a little bit and uh, you know if you were in zero gravity there's no distension because the uh, blood will just flow and there's no counter force trying to pull it in the other direction but anytime you've got uh, force trying to pull something down, you know, against those valves, uh, you're going to get tension in the wall. And then if you do that enough, you're on your feet a lot, or you're sitting a lot with your feet down, um, eventually those valves will fail. The tension on the wall will exceed the um, vein's ability to to maintain its shape. And when this happens the first time, it becomes a a set of dominoes. So you've got a valve that opens up and starts allowing blood to flow backwards. And as that blood rushes and flows backwards, it's going to distend that valve even more so that it fails even more. And now there's even that much more pressure on the one below it to fail. And then it will just take those things out, not dissimilar, well, completely dissimilar, but sort of similar in concept to uh, the the when the Twin Towers fell. You know, the top floor fell, and then it fell into the floor below it, taking out that floor. And those, those two floors now took out the floor below that, and then those three, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, when that happens, those veins will now be distended, and they'll distend even more because now you have to have back pressure is the only way that you can get blood back to the heart. So these big distended veins, uh, will be under all kinds of pressure and fluid will begin to seep out of the, um, the veins through the, uh, you know, the cells that are holding it together, they're so stretched now that that there's just spaces, little tiny spaces, but spaces. And usually not big enough to allow a red blood cell out, but sometimes it will allow a red blood cell out. And that's when you see people with real brown legs uh, where they've got yeah, what's called hemosiderin has uh, deposited itself in the skin and it stains it. And that's basically because you've got broken up. Uh, red blood cells that have leaked from these distended veins. So the first thing you may see are varicose veins. And that's what varicose veins are. Those are veins that have failed because of this uh, pressure uh, and and these forces that are p- trying to pull the, the vein apart. And um, they're, they're so distended because there's blood is now rushing backwards until, of course, there's enough back pressure to force that blood up but that the the uh those competing forces will distend those veins and make these big snake looking things under the skin um so now so back to your question you've got the background that what you're seeing are people whose veins have blown out and they're leaking fluid into their legs and so they have edema because, uh, and that's just uh, the medical term for swelling of the legs due to fluid. And um, the the purple is coming from venous stasis and uh, disruption of the blood supply to the skin itself. So you get stasis dermatitis. Well, let me explain what that is. So as these legs start to swell. It stretches the skin, right? And when you stretch the skin, that skin is under, now under pressure. And because it's under pressure, it's really hard to get capillary blood flow to the surface of the skin uh, because now the pressure to the skin exceeds the pressure of the blood go uh, that's coursing through these little tiny capillaries, and it basically shunts the blood away from the skin. When you do that, it loses most of its blood supply. I mean, if it lost all its blood supply, it would just die. But it loses a relatively large amount of blood supply, and uh, the, blood, the skin becomes um, thickened and gets inflamed. And will turn red or purple. So, uh, just Google stasis dermatitis, and you'll see what we're talking about. Big purple legs. Now, what can be done about this? Well, prevention is key. So, uh, not sleeping, sitting up is a good way to prevent it. You want to always. At night, get your feet at least at the level of your heart, if not above the level of your heart. And if you start having swelling in your extremities, first get checked and make sure it's not something like congestive heart failure, you know, identify that it's stasis dermatitis and uh, start elevating your legs when you get home from work. And uh, you can use counterpressure to arrest some of the damage that's being done to the veins. And we will do this with medium-strength support hose. So for people who are on their feet all day, say factory workers and stuff, uh, getting a set of medium-strength support hose, which you could buy at any pharmacy that sells durable medical equipment, uh, or you can order them online. And so they're not like those TED hose. TED hose are high-strength compression hose. These are medium-strength, so they look just like socks. Nobody will ever know you're wearing them. And uh, they just apply counter pressure, and that counter pressure sort of paradoxically reduces the um, pressure on the vessel walls because you've, you're countering the pressure that's um, inside the vessel wall with pressure from the outside. And so that allows blood to flow without distending those vein walls. I hope that makes sense. So uh, you can do that. Now, some of these folks will get to the point where their skin will break down and they start getting these things called venous ulcers. Now, a, a venous ulcer and an arterial ulcer have to be differentiated because an arterial ulcer from bad arterial supply will get worse if you apply counterpressure. And that just makes sense. Venous ulcers will get better. And so we'll do a thing called an unaboot sometime, which is a medicated ace wrap, kind of. And um, you uh, wrap it around the legs to prevent the edema and allow return of blood flow to that area. And a lot of times you can heal them up. It may take six weeks, but you can do it. Anyway. All right. Very good. Venous stasis, everybody. That wouldn't be a
3: bad band name. When you Angie that, download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. All right.
2: Um, uh Uh-oh. This one has a corrupted file name. Let me delete the file name there. Your old pal is uh, reasonably computer savvy. There we go.
1: Hi, Doctor Steve. This is Alan in Mississippi, and I had two questions. Okay. Of which I cannot remember. Damn it! (laughs) They got to come. I'll call back. Thank you. All
2: right. Um, Yeah, Alan, feel free to call back. He's not the first, though. I have a collection of these. Um, This one is from 2011 it's one of my best phone calls ever hey dr steve
1: um, i'm prescribed Marinol, and uh i have ah,
2: fuck. <laughs> let's see what else have we got here um we've got a couple other ones hey dr
1: steve uh this is john in tennessee and I've got a very embarrassing issue that comes up about once a year. When I was a kid, my brothers and sisters actually used to call me Zach Two Cracks. And, okay, I just said my real name,
2: so I'm going to hang up now and call back. You can use this if you want to. to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he calls up saying he's John and then reveals that his sisters called him Zach Two Cracks, which. Why would they call him that if his name is John? Anyway, let's see here. Oh, this was a disturbing phone call.
1: Hello, Dr. Steve. Can you tell us more about that giant, meaty penis between your legs? (laughs) What the Mm. hell, dude?
2: (laughs) What the hell, dude? (laughs) Oh, boy. And, of course, uh, the uh, she's been on this show. The best phone call of all time still to this day is uh, D from Nashville.
0: Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, my name is Dee. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I am calling because you said something about a worse medical smell. I was sitting in with the dentist one day. A man came in. His jaw was swollen. The doctor had a round probe, was moving his jaw out of the way. The probe brushed up against whatever the lesion was inside of his mouth, and some shit came out of it that looked like (laughs) green peas, like pea soup. And the smell was so nauseatingly bad that I quit school, and I am a realtor now. I'm not doing anything in the medical profession because that smell was just like un- real I'm
2: like anything I would ever heard before so there you go hope that makes the air yeah, I hope you make <laughs> Yeah, it's done more than just make the air thank you D. D was here in the studio I'm uh, hoping we will see D very soon my wife and I are going to Nashville and uh, D is going to take us to um, Prince's Hot Chicken so I guess we could do it by ourselves it'd be more fun with a native Nashvilleian Anyway, um, I'll keep you up to date on that. I might record it because I hear I'm pretty much just going to die. Anyway, all right, take another five question.
1: minutes. Whoop! Although probably, too. hey, Doctor Steve, I just went to Chick Foley and got me uh, ice cream.
2: My ex-wife was so dumb. How dumb was she? That she she would say, "Well, I'm." I'm going to take the boys to Chick-fil-A. She thought it was Chick-fil-A. Come on. All right. She literally thought that. She wasn't trying to be funny.
1: Hey, Dr. Steve. I just went to Chick-fil-A and got me a ice cream cone or a dream cone. I ate it too quickly, and I got the worst brain freeze ever. I had a pullover throw up on the side of the road, and it took about five minutes, although probably 60 seconds for it to go away. Right. It felt amazing as it was dissipating, but how does that happen? I know how to avoid it. Don't inhale those hate cones. (laughs) Got to be a better way. Thanks, man. Love your show. Yeah,
2: thanks, man. Um, If you're prone to these, if you're going to eat ice cream, have – You know, some warm water or hot tea or something like that, because this is what happens. I think people who have listened to this show for a long time know this fact, but I'll review all air filled cavities in the human body have a hole usually called an ostium that goes to the outside world for the purpose of equilibrating pressure. Okay. So you have an air-filled cavity in your ear, and when you go up in an airplane or go down, you feel your ears pop, or when you're going down, you blow uh, and pop your ears back out to equilibrate the pressure. That tube is called the um, eustachian tube. Most people are familiar with that. Well, the other sinuses... And air-filled cavities in the body. The biggest, you know, one, well, the lungs, obviously, uh, the GI tract, all, you know, communicate with the outside world. But your sinuses do, too. Uh, So there's an ostium going uh, between, I don't remember, the second and third turbinate, I think, in uh, in the head. Those are your maxillary sinuses, your cheekbones. Okay, those are the ones behind your cheekbones. They're the ones that hurt. When you clog up that ostium uh, with disgusting pus and old mucus, when you have a sinus infection and that hurts. Uh, so there's a sinus, and why it's there, I don't know. I think it's just its purpose is to reduce the weight of the skull. And it's called the sphenoid sinus, and it's right above the palate, the human palate, and the roof of your mouth. It's right above that. And its ostium kind of sucks. So when you take something cold in, you will um, – sh- uh, okay, so one other concept. Cold air it has less volume than an equal number of molecules of hot air. And I think you probably are familiar with that if you have a tire gauge – in your car, and when it's a cold day, the um, pressure in the in the uh, tires may be low, even like thirty-eight or twenty-eight, and then when you get going and warm them up in there, the pressure comes up and it's back up to thirty-two to thirty-five. Same kind of thing. So when you assault the roof of your palate with really cold stuff, and if the sphenoid sinus is not able to very quickly equilibrate uh, the, 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 that drop in pressure that occurs when the cold air contracts, then you will get pain. And you, the pain is most likely from stretch receptors in the sphenoid, the mucous membrane of the sphenoid sinus going, we are being stretched and we don't like it. Now, when the air returns to a normal temperature, Then the air air re-expands, the tension on those mucous membranes goes away, and then the pain goes away. You can accelerate this by sticking your tongue in the roof of your mouth if you've got the ability to do that, or by drinking something warm really quickly. And uh, I have just a weird version of this, and it's not a brain freeze. I get an esophageal freeze, and it's because I've had reflux for so long that I've got a little bit of a stricture. In my lower esophagus, which has been good for my reflux, to be honest with you, but it's not good when I, if I drink like a slushy or ice cream or something like that, which I'm not seven, so I don't drink slushies very often. But every once in a while, I'll get a frozen damn margarita, and, um, or at the beach, I'll get a frozen daiquiri, and that's rare as well. But every, matter of fact, I think I've done my last one because. Every sip of that that I took got stuck in the bottom of my esophagus, and it just froze it, and the pain was unbelievable. And if you know, if you're, you've just walked to the beach with this thing, you don't have anything else to drink. If I had had just a bottle of water, would have been great. Uh, so I could probably chase it with water. You know, in a, that's set in a bottle at the beach; it's going to be warm. Would have fixed it. But if you start having that problem, that's what that is. Make sure that you get scoped at some point just to make sure there's not a problem down there. I've been scoped recently, so I know what mine is. But it just lays there and just freezes it. And just imagine a brain freeze right down at the level of, you know, your the bottom of your sternum or your breastbone. Horrendous. And it happened with every sip I took. So I think, like I said, that's my last frozen drink. But anyway, but that's brain freeze. All right. Oh. Good
1: uh, evening, Dr. Steve. Uh, my name is Dee. I had a medical question regarding to uh, my girlfriend. Um, we recently had, like, a lot of sex during October, the month of October. Okay. And we would take uh, plan Bs and stuff like that. And I think we took about four of them.
2: Whoa. She did. Um, Yeah, thank you. Okay, what he's talking about is the plan B is the um, uh, it's a hormonal treatment to prevent pregnancy after you've had sex. So there's a lot of ideas how this works, that it, it prevents ovulation. So if she was just getting ready to ovulate, it will prevent it. And it may also prevent um, fertilization and may even prevent implantation in the uterus of a fertilized uh, egg. Th- that last one is is kind of iffy. I'm not sure I've got good information on that. But um, so the plan B is considered emergency contraception, by the way. And they're taking four of them. So uh, I'm, I'm just wondering what nightmare happened after that. So. <laughs>
1: Same month, her period was kind of light um, and it was kind of short. And then in November, she did not have a period at all. So, but we've been taking pregnancy tests. Well, she's been taking pregnancy tests, and it's coming up negative. The recent one was this past Monday. Um, what, what, what? What should we do about this?
2: Yeah. Okay. First off, um, I'm going to recommend that you not use Plan B as routine. Contraception. Um, there, there are other methods. If you don't want to wear a condom and she doesn't want to be on the pill, she can get a cervical cap or a diaphragm that doesn't, you know, affect your um, ability to, you know, experience the whole, the full monty. But um, you got to do something other than this. Now, if she smokes, she probably shouldn't be taking the pill, but she shouldn't be taking Plan B either. So quit smoking, and then that oh, that opens up your options some. She could get an IUD, too. You know, IUD is a great method of uh, birth control if you're not planning on getting pregnant, which most people who are taking birth control are not, and um, that does also does not interfere. But um, I'm, I'm just looking at the Plan B website, and it says... Um, when plan B is used repeatedly, in other words, more than once in a menstrual cycle. Okay, well, she used it four times in the same cycle. Menstrual changes may occur, including shorter, uh-oh, or longer cycle and heavier or lighter period than normal. So that's what it is. It's the multiple use of the plan B. Um, so there you go. Um. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend that you change your plan on that, please. I think that uh, that is, it's not, I mean, that's not what it's made for. All right. Thank you.
1: Dr. Steve, I've got a question about blue balls. I was wondering why it hurts so bad. Uh, sometimes in the morning, I'll-
2: Oh, I answered this one last time. It's prostatic congestion. Just look that up. Uh, let's see here.
1: Hi, Doctor Steve. I just wanted to call in. Uh, this is Smith, by the way. I just wanted to call in and get your thoughts on this article from uh, the New York Post about this new fad called perineum sunning. I hope I'm saying that right. It's the latest insanity wellness influencer swear by. That's the headline. And it goes on to say here they're soaking up some rays where the sun don't shine. The hottest trend gripping wellness diehards is tanning their cans or perineum sunning as- Uh-oh.
2: Sorry, that was my boss. <laughs> I'm still okay, I'm not supposed to be at work yet. Um, okay, let, let me read the article. He's gonna read the whole article. Um, So, yes, there's this viral trend of purposely exposing your taint to the sun. Who came up with this? Is this Gwyneth again? I mean, for goodness sake. All right. Um, This is from Allure magazine. Ooh. A couple of weeks ago, my friend Bryce sent me an Instagram post in which a naked woman is lying on her back on a rock. Her arms are extended straight up so her hands can hold her widely spread feet and maintain what appears to be the happy baby yoga pose. Um, You know. okay. and people thought this was a joke. It's apparently not a joke. This is dumb as shit. Okay, stop it. The anus. The taint, female vulva, scrotum, are not meant to be exposed to the sun like that. And there's no benefit to it. And it's all just downside. The downside being that you burn your anus or your taint or your vulva or your scrotum. And um, you can, look, if you burn it, to the point of blistering, which could happen, you increase the risk of melanoma in that area. Great, and you know what? You won't see it because you're not—you don't have eyes in your knees looking up at your stupid burned, you know, taint. So, uh, yeah, if you get melanoma there, that you're going to miss it for a long time. Uh, you know, I—I'm sixty. and I'm supposed to get a full skin survey. Hell, I've never had a doctor ever do that. So I could have a melanoma somewhere where the sun don't shine. And that's why they call it where the sun don't shine. So cut the shit. This is stupid. If this was beneficial, we would have come up with it before 2019. For God's sake. Let's see. Um, Doctors are skeptical about the purported benefits. Really? Skeptical. What a, what a word. That's just a, in this case, that's a euphemism. Skeptical. Uh, There's no scientific or medical merit to the claims reported increased energy from daily bum sunning may more likely be from waking up early at the same time every day and getting some exercise to find that private Instagram worthy sunning rock. Whatever. All these things involve an approach to healthy living that goes way beyond lying spread eagle in the sun. Any benefit would be strictly out of sheer vanity. Well, that's right. I mean, look, there are people that, uh, uh, you know, bleach their asshole or will tan their asshole. Um, here we go. Um, Yeah, here we go. It says... Uh, if you're hell-bent on getting a tan in this area, although Metaphysical Megan, is this someone's Instagram? Their name is Metaphysical Megan, has said in her Instagram captions that this is not why she personally practices perineum sunning. Uh, this Dr. Frayling says you can use hypoallergenic mineral makeup on your velva or anus as long as you wash it off every day. Well... All right. It says, unfortunately, some people have already found out that perineum sunning can have immediate and uncomfortable effects. Actor Josh Brolin, Thanos, shared Megan's photo in his own Instagram grid and shared his tale of woe. Tried this perineum sunning that I've been hearing about, and my suggestion is do not do it as long as I did. My pucker hole is crazy burned. Oh, wait. wait wrong. uh Let me, uh, here we go. Tried this perineum sunning that I've been hearing about, and my suggestion is do not do it as long as I did. My pucker hole is crazy burned, and I was going to spend the day shopping with my family, and instead I'm icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of the pain. All right. Okay. Just stop it. Don't steam your taint. Don't don't do anything to your taint other than um you know put a penis in it. it. You know, I or or whatever. Just don't do anything. It's fine. It's fine just like it is. It's designed to be hidden from view. I'm not even a fan of bicycle seats. In the taint i got a nordic track my wife and i bought this for each other for uh the holidays a nordic track. it's like a peloton but it's nordic track and it really is cool my first ride was 30 minutes riding down a mountain uh, in turkey going from this church that was and they they Show you aerial views, and then when you're riding, like if the, if the terrain goes up, you know, the, the bike goes up. It's close to what I'm looking for as far as a virtual reality exercise system. That's what I really want. It would have been really cool if I could have put goggles on and then been looking around as I'm riding down this mountain. But anyway, it gives you a pretty good um, uh, feeling of being there kind of almost. But anyway, the seat about killed me. I sat on it for five minutes. I had to get off and get a pillow, and so I've ordered a new seat, and I'm hoping it'll be better because I really want to get it back in, in much better shape than I am. But anyway, but yeah, you can if you ride bicycles and all of a sudden your penis is is numb or your vulva are painful, you have perineal um, neuropathy, or pudendal neuropathy. And the pudendal nerve goes to the pudenda, which are, you know, that's your junkle area. And um, you can get uh, permanent nerve damage from that. So be really careful that you're not sitting right on your taint and putting a lot of pressure on that for hours and hours and hours. And they actually make uh, pudendal uh, preserving bicycle seats that basically are just two little pads. And I've never talked to anybody that's used one, but it looks cool. Uh, Two little pads that you just put the ischial tuberosity on. That's your ass bone. If you put your hand down and feel your ass, you'll feel a bone down there that you're sitting on. And those are your um, uh, ischial tuberosities. And that will make uh, your bicycle riding, I think, more comfortable because it completely spares your taint, lets your taint just sort of roam free. So anyway, no more taint tanning. Cut the shit. Thank you. All right. Let's see here.
1: Hey, Dr. Steve. I'm calling from New Brunswick, Canada. I am dying to know if there's anything you do for restless legs. My wife gets it real bad once in a while. It's my biggest cock block. Please help with this restless legs. I love your show. I love everything you do. You're the best. Talk soon. Bye now.
2: Amen. Well, I don't understand why her restless legs is a cock block for you, because she would only really be uh, experiencing. Well, no, that's not true. I'm thinking of periodic uh, limb movement disorder. OK, so restless leg syndrome is a condition that causes um, a patients uncontrollable urge to move their legs. And usually it's because they have an uncomfortable sensation. So, yes, this could be cock blocking. The other thing I was talking about is this periodic leg movement disorder is they're only asleep. So I'm, you know, I had that in my head. I had this whole sort of humorous line I was going to go down because the only time she would have that is if she's asleep. So how is that cock blocking her, you, unless you're, you know having sex with your wife while she's asleep and can't consent but and in fact um i just had the wrong syndrome in my head so um this usually happens in the evening or nighttime when they're sitting or lying down and then the the movement kind of eases this unpleasant feeling for a little bit um uh it's also called willis eckbaum disease and it you know it, it's a doesn't uh, spare any age but it generally worsens as you get older and it can certainly disrupt your sleep. And that's the thing, you know, these folks they lay down to sleep and now there's no stimulus uh unlike when you're, you know, running around during the day and you've got all this visual and auditory and tactile stimulus and olfactory stimuli and uh you don't have that at night. That's the whole point of turning out the lights and laying down and being quiet. And then all of a sudden, here come these damn legs start wanting to move all the time. So uh, the the um, sensations usually begin after rest. And you do get some relief with movement. You get worsening of the symptoms in the evening and you'll get nighttime leg twitching. So those those are classic. If you have that and you've not been diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, uh, there may be treatment for you. You don't have to live that way. Uh, Most of the time, people feel like a crawling or creeping or a pulling feeling or their legs feel full, stuff like that. Now, nobody knows what causes it. It seems to run in families. Certainly pregnant women get it worse. Uh, People um, who have peripheral neuropathy or iron deficiency can uh, get this. So sometimes when people um, just show up with... um, Uh, restless leg syndrome they'll give them iron supplements just to see if that helps so anyway um it it really it doesn't um do anything to you but if you lose a lot of sleep it can be debilitating so uh the diagnosis is clinical there's no uh, blood test for restless leg syndrome they um uh, may do a sleep study just to see if you also have this periodic limb disorder or limb movement disorder. So um, what do you do about it? Well, there's some medications that you can take. So medications that increase the dopamine in the brain. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter. And uh, there are other medications that uh, increase dopamine in the brain. But the classic one for... Um, uh, this syndrome is a drug called prama, Pramapexol or Mirapex. And then there's another one called ro, uh, Ropinerol or Requip. And they're actually approved by the FDA for this. And uh, they can cause, you know, some mild adverse effects, but usually people tolerate it pretty well. <laughs> now, every once in a while, when you increase someone's dopamine in their brain, It will cause impulse control problems like compulsive gambling and stuff like that. So if you start on this stuff and all of a sudden you're hitting uh, global poker every night and losing hundreds of dollars with stupid bets, uh, it could be your medication. So anytime you see a change in someone's behavior like that, you always want to look at their medications first to see if there's something simple that we can do to fix it. Uh, There are other medications like Neurontin. Neurontin or gabapentin the same thing uh or lyrica these things uh change calcium channels among other things that kind of shut down some nerve nerve impulses and those things can help there um uh, there some people will try opioids i i'm not a fan of that for this because it's really not a pain situation obviously opioids do other things than just pain but they're highly habit forming uh, now, there is another habit forming medication when nothing else works called clonazepam or clonopin, and it works uh, pretty well for restless leg syndrome, allowing people to at least sleep at night. And that's a last resort. So uh, they may need to try different things. Well, you know, but anyway. Now, there are some lifestyle things that you can try. Um, you can apply warm compresses. Make sure that you have good sleep hygiene so that you're going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. And avoiding caffeine may uh, may help it as well. There are some people that say that exercise helps it, but not late at night. So you would think, wow, if I exercise late at night, I'll be fatigued. And I'll uh, sleep better and I'll have less restless leg. That's actually the opposite is true. If you exercise late at night, it's activating and it, you'll have more trouble going to sleep. But if you exercise in the middle of the day, that's what's best. It's weird. You know, it's counterintuitive. I remember back in the day when I was uh, doing a lot of white water rafting, uh, I would um, be, you know, you, you would use a lot of energy staying warm for one thing because river water tends to be cold uh or cool and so you're uh you know your body's burning a lot of brown fat trying to keep your body temperature up and then you're paddling the whole time because it's not something where you can just sit there and just let the river do stuff to you you've got to you know if, if you're not paddling, you have no control because if you're going at the same same velocity as the water around you, you have no control over anything, so you either have to be going faster or slower than the water to be able to steer that kind of stuff and uh I would sleep so good that night. I'd be hungry, I'd eat good, I'd go to bed, and I would sleep like I had taken some damn drug, you know that's what it felt like anyway. Well, let's um, see if we can take one more here before we go. felt like my mind was just churning all night. Uh Uh-oh. I I must have done this one before. That was about magnesium and dreaming. I've got a bunch of friends right now that are taking magnesium, saying that they get um, crazy dreams and some lucid dreams. So, uh, you know, if you try it, let me know. Um, I'm not advocating it by any means. All right. Let's see. (laughs)
0: Hey, Dr. Steve. I uh, love the show in general. What? Um,
2: Sounds like a but's uh, coming.
0: i got a bit of a strange question okay. here, but and it seems like it might be something you've probably answered before, as I imagine, you know, he'd be the first person anyone calls with this.
2: Okay, I'm going to I, – I don't know what this question is. It came from the archives. I'm going to assume that it's a question about this person's penis.
0: But um, I have a – strange foreskin lump give yourself Um, a bill like a uh what would i compare it to like a half frozen small grape maybe Mm. like slightly smaller than a cranberry Uh i uh, i just noticed it today so i would assume that it hasn't been there (laughs) too terribly long uh sorry about the coughing but um uh, not sexually active at all um as a personal choice and because I'm a sad loser no but, no dude. Uh, any idea what this join the be? Club. would it be cause for concern um I'm probably gonna schedule with the primary care anyways. I haven't seen one in a few years, but okay. uh yeah, feel free to get back to me on this
2: Thank- yeah, I think that's um that's a good thing to do. Half frozen, so I'm. Assu- you know, I'm trying to picture this thing. So it's like a half a grape. I'm guessing. So it's dome like, and when he says half frozen, I'm assuming it's mostly firm, and uh, about the size of a cranberry. It's on the foreskin, so I'm going to just take a wild. Guess, although it's an educated guess for sure, that this is a, some sort of inclusion cyst. And what an inclusion cyst is, is when skin cells can't slough off because they've involuted or you've had some trauma to the area. And so that um, basement layer of skin that normally would flatten out and then slough off and be replaced by cells beneath it can't slough off anymore. So it makes a little cyst. And uh, those are generally benign, but uh, without looking at it and without doing anything about it, I can't comment any further. It doesn't sound like anything serious, but uh, I, I like your plan of getting that checked out. But that's most likely what it is. And sometimes these things will be filled with a cheesy substance that uh, stinks pretty bad. And that, what that is, is just macerated skin cells that never got to slough off and so they've just you know retained fluid and uh, uh, when the pressure on the outside of the cyst equals the pressure on the inside of the cyst um, they stop growing so anyway Uh, yeah uh, call us back and let us know what that thing is thank you uh thanks always go to well dr scott when he's here uh, not his fault. Uh, I had to change my schedule a little bit, and so things have been a little weird as far as our scheduling is concerned. But we'll try to get back to a normal podcasting schedule soon. And we can't forget Rob Sprance, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teff, Lewis Johnson, Paul Offcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM, channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, On Demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.